皆様ご起立ください Konnichiwa, Olympics fans and lovers of Shukfestan. Welcome to Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co host, Alison Brown. Alison, Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. I'm feeling pretty good today, surprisingly. <laughs> got a nap in. I got a nap, and that just recharged me to push me through these last few days. And there was some really great competition that helped as well. That there was. Day 14 did not disappoint. So, before we get to the action, let's do a little bit follow up file. Our Shuk Plastani BMX racing cyclist is、uh, Connor Fields, is going home, which is very exciting. Out of the hospital, on his way back to the US. I'm sure a lot of treatment still to come, but he posted a little video on Instagram. So, it was nice to see his face and gave us a thumbs up for heading out. But、uh, good luck, Connor. We are all thinking of you. In some COVID news, it was、uh, another record day for COVID cases within the Olympic bubble. And now the total is up to 353 cases since the beginning of July. I don't know if they're tracking how many of these are asymptomatic versus symptomatic, but it would be interesting to know how many people contract COVID and, and have effects from it.、Uh, moving on to where is Marnie McBean? So, Marnie has been to athletics. She joined in with the Taiko drummers at Canoe Sprint. She was heading over to soccer and she did answer me on a question I had for her because I speculated in an Instagram post that she may be taking naps in the car.、Mm-hmm. And she said, No Z's in the cars. That's when I get work and calls done and post my pictures. Sleep when it's done. Makes <laughs> I can imagine. All right, moving on to our segment, what officiating or volunteer job do we want? So, what would you like to do today? I'm going to be the ball girl at table tennis <laughs> because this girl was in the little corner. You can't see her.、Mm-hmm. She's tucked in behind the, I don't know what you call those, the side pieces. And her little head just bounces out and she grabs the ball and scoots back in. Wow. I'm going to have to check that out. I was wondering if you would say the people who clean off the tennis table, if Swakit's on it, because early on in the games, I did see one, one volunteer had like a plastic bag with cleaning supplies and she just came out and pulled stuff out of her bag, cleaned off the table. I did like how prepared they were. Yes. I would like to be the pacer at the Kieran race. Uh, this is a race, if you haven't been watching track cycling, it's an interesting one and it's、uh, developed in Japan. It is a six lap race, and the first three are led by a pacing bike, which I believe this has a little bit of an electrical push. I don't know. It, it, sometimes you have a little motor bike on there, but this one's not. And every lap you go, the pace gets faster until you're up to a certain number of kilometers per hour. On, at, by the end of lap three, the pace bike pulls off, and then it's a sprint to the finish for the riders. And it's, I think it's a really cool race, and I would love to do the, the pacing. That's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure, and that's why I think motorbikes help because then you're guaranteed. Because if I had to do it all on my, you know, you can't do that all by yourself because they look, they look like they're just going for a little stroll in the park on their bike. Nice, easy ride. How is, okay, fantasy league time. How is our league doing? Well, Shellistan is still killing us all. 
at 8.21. Piascola is at 3.48. Calibri is at 3.41. And the rest of us are kind of falling far behind. Wow. I, and once again, I did not get my stuff done in time. So, But brackets is a little more interesting. Sholastan is at 160. You and I are tied at 130. And Olympic fan Dan is at 120. Ooh, that is interesting. And I think all the brackets are locked in now, but the Fantasy League you can still play around with. Now it's time to find out what is up with Mike and Maya. Mike and Maya of the Toyota First Date commercial where Mike asks Maya to the school dance and he does it from his hospital room, but he's also in the hallway at school thanks to the digital robot screen. So we heard from listener Beth who agrees with listener Brian, thinks that Walter the Cat's owner from the Chevy Silverado commercial is Maya's dad. So we have two votes for that. I'm just a little concerned about Maya and Walter's relationship. Like, does Maya feel rejected from her dad being so obsessed with this cat? Do you think that is why she would go out with a skateboarder? Maybe. Hmm. Looking Hmm. for attention, looking for the male validation. Maybe that's why Heather is so upset about this. Interesting. Hmm. Good theory to think about. I have to say, I maybe saw that commercial once or twice yesterday. I was really shocked. Now I'm getting inundated with Google ads on my feed. I'm tired of all of them. They needed to have a short run period for these commercials. Well, they also needed to do a let's let's take all of the commercials and put them into a carousel, kind of like a slideshow. And you didn't get the same commercial every ad break, but you got it maybe every few ad breaks. And Beijing, we better see Mike and Maya at the dance. Seriously. Before we get to today's action, we'd like to tell you about our Kickstarter campaign. We are going to Beijing for the Winter Olympics because we surprisingly got media accreditations that we did not expect to get. Those games are six months or less than 200 days away. And while we're excited for the opportunity to go and bring you a podcasting experience that only comes with having an on-the-ground presence, we didn't plan to have this in the budget this early on in in our uh, travel planning. So uh, we could use your support. We are an independent podcast, and that means shoestring budget, but those shoestrings are not long enough to cover a trip to China. That's, that, that is a fairly long trip to China as well. So if, you have, uh, if you've been appreciating this show and like what we do, we'd love to have your support. Find out more about our campaign and check out our supporter bonuses. We're sending postcards from the Olympics. We're having our own pins made and much, much more. That is kickstarter.com slash profile slash flame alive pod. Thank you so much, everybody who is donated already. We've hit the 25% mark, a little over 25%. So that means the world to us and we are well on our way to our goal. I want to mention another way that people can help with that Kickstarter is sharing it on their social media. So if you've been having fun listening to the show, please share that around because your group is bigger than our group and it keeps going. So if you can share that, that would be great too. We would appreciate that. Athletics, big day on the Wild track. day. What did you watch? I watched Shot Foot. Oh, that was unbelievable. 
What was really fun was listening to Michelle Carter talk about the shot put, because obviously that's her event. Mm -hmm. And she knows Joe Kovach and Brian Krauser so well. So she was giving lots of little insight into their process, which was pretty exciting. That's interesting. I had the feed on, so I'm going to have to go back and watch this because I think it was part of the primetime coverage. Yes. Okay, so I will go back and watch this because I have this on tape. Ryan Krauser, his first throw, he broke the Olympic record. His second throw, he broke the Olympic record again. And then he broke it a third time. Four times. Four times total. Four out of his five throws beat his previous Olympic record. That is just amazing. I mean, he's just a beautiful, beautiful thrower. So the Team USA teddy bear. (laughs) So he won the gold. Joe Kovacs from the US won the silver. And Tomas Walsh from New Zealand won the bronze. And this is the same line, the same finishing order that we had in 2016. So 2024 could be really interesting. And Ryan Krauser is the first American shot putter to repeat since 5256. Wow. And to add to the tears, mm-hmm. his grandfather, who taught him how to throw, died right before Tokyo. Oh. So he had a little sign, you know, dear grandpa, we made it and Olympic champion. And then they switched to the grandmother at home celebrating. Oh, needed my puffs for that one. Definitely. We also had the early heats of men's four by 100 relay. Not a good day for the U.S. Not a good day. I saw this. They screwed up another handoff between Ronnie Baker and Fred Curley. So they finished sixth in the heat. There was a very interesting article in the Washington Post how basically the U.S. men's 4 by 100 either screws up a handoff and DQs or wins. That's interesting. They seemed, a lot of the sprinters seem to have been a non-factor almost. Or maybe it's because I'm not watching primetime as much. And so we don't get that celebration of the medals that we do. And because we've won, Fred Curley's won a medal. Noah Lyles has won a medal. So it's not like they're slouching, but it just doesn't feel the same. I don't think Team USA has been dominant as they expect it to be. I would agree. The other thing that was interesting about this uh, story is that usually Team USA does a once a year relay camp. Mm hmm which is unusual because most teams practice a lot more than once a year, but they didn't even have that camp because of COVID. Oh. And we talked with Andrew Rock about relay handoffs and how difficult they are. And sometimes you just have to figure it out really quickly and you don't have much time. So I wonder if that's that's what this is. We had the men's 110-meter hurdles final. Gold went to Jamaica's Hansel Parchment. Silver went to U.S.'s Grant Holloway. And bronze went to Jamaica's Ronald Levy. Messy race. Really? Oh, lots of hurdles going down? To me, it just looked like a lot of clipped hurdles. Just not a clean race. But Parchment just blew everybody away. It was very surprising. In the men's triple jump, gold went to Portugal's Pedro Pichardo, silver went to China's Zhu Yaming, and bronze went to Burkina Faso's uh, Hughes Fabrice Zango. So this is is the first Olympic medal for Burkina Faso. Nice. 
And it is the first gold of these games for Portugal. Oh, also nice. We also had day two of the men's decathlon and the women's heptathlon. Some crazy stuff happened. Book Club Claire is a big athletics uh, fan. So she told us what happened in those two. Did you see these two or do you have something to say on these two or no? I don't know. I I saw a lot of it, but I didn't really know what was going on. Okay, exactly. So Claire told us that the current world champion in heptathlon, who's Katerina Johnson Thompson from Great Britain, she got a calf injury on the day end of day one, and she refused a wheelchair. So she got up, crossed the finish line at the end of the 200, and then withdrew from the race. So that opened up the the field a little bit. But the winner was Belgium's Nafi Tiem, who repeated as Olympic champ. And silver went to Anouk Vetter from Netherlands, and bronze went to Emma Osterwegel, also from the Netherlands. In the men's decathlon, gold went to Canada's Damian Warner, who got an Olympic record of 9,018 points, which is the first time any man's gotten over 9,000 points at an Olympics. Claire mentioned that he pretty much led the whole thing from start to finish. And one of the reasons he passed 9,000 points because during the 1500, he pushed hard and uh, did very well. And rounding out the podium in the decathlon, was a silver went to Francis Kevin Mayer, and bronze went to Australia's Ashley Maloney. And you know what? Mara Novella got its start. We had the first race walk in the Olympics up in Sapporo at Odori Park. The gold went to Italy's Massimo Stano. Silver went to Japan's Ikeda Koki. And bronze went to Japan's Yamanishi Toshikazu. I watched some of this, or I had it I had it on and, and would fast forward a little bit here and there. There were fans, even though uh, Sapporo tried hard to keep them away. There were people. And I, I read an incident in one of the Japanese papers about people from Tokyo were coming up because they couldn't go to events in Tokyo. It's like, I can get a glimpse of an, an Olympic event. We've waited so long, so I'm going up. But it, it looked like a pretty decent race. The weather was not so cool i would say it was uh 31 degrees celsius and the humidity was 63 percent so hmm maybe a little cooler than it could have been in tokyo but i think it was kind of negligible the other thing about the weather that i was looking at was how many people did not finish because if it was so hot would we get more people just dropping out of the race only three people did not finish which was interesting i mean you don't want you want everybody to finish but in that case, it's in the case of extreme heat, it's nice that people seem to be prepared and could. Yeah, three DNF doesn't seem out of the ordinary. Right. For for any race of that length. And then there were only two disqualifications. So it was nice to have a nice clean race as well. Back to the track. We also had the women's pole vault, which was a good competition. I saw many pieces of this. And uh, did you watch? I can't watch pole vault. It makes me too nervous. Oh, okay. Uh, U.S.'s Katie Najat uh, won gold, and that was exciting because she's from around my neck of the woods, so people were thrilled around here. And silver went to ROC's Angelica Sidorova, and bronze went to Great Britain's Holly Bradshaw. Defending Rio gold medalist Katerina Stefaniti finished fourth. So that was a tough day for her, but Katie got a, a really nice height. She looked good, 
and was, of course, thrilled about what she accomplished. And then the evening ended with the men's 400-meter finals. Gold went to the Bahamas' Stephen Gardner. Silver went to Colombia's Anthony Jose Zambrano. And bronze went to Grenada's Kirani James. Moving on to baseball, it was a semifinal, and USA beat Korea 72. But, you know, it's the baseball tournament, so semifinal doesn't mean necessarily that Korea is out of the games. This is so confusing. I know. For I so know. few teams, they played so many games that didn't seem to mean anything. Right, especially when they're called knockout stage and semifinals. And I know people have explained to us it's a double elimination. But the I, I'm with you. A double elimination when you have like six teams, isn't that it? They have U.S., Korea, Japan, Dominican Republic, Mexico, and Israel. That's it. Yes. I, it's funny how softball made you so excited. And baseball has just been a big question mark. It's been a big yawn. Over in basket, the men had their semifinal games. A U.S. defeated Australia 97 to 78, and France defeated Slovakia 90 to 89. Tight, tight game. In beach volleyball, there were women's semifinals and men's semifinals. So in the women's side, USA's Ross and Kleiman defeated Switzerland's Verge Dupree and Heydrich, and Australia's Artacho de Solar and Clancy defeated Latvia's Gradina and Krausnikova. And the men's <laughs> given me one less name to work with. <laughs> On the men's side, Norway's uh, uh, Mall and Sorum defeated Latvia's Plavin and Tox, and ROC's Krasilnikov and Stoyanovsky defeated Qatar's Yunos and Tijan. In boxing, we're doing some semifinals and finals action. The finals were in the men's featherweight division. The gold went to ROC's Albert Batirgaziev. Silver went to USA's Duke Reagan. Bronzes went to Cuba's Lazaro Alvarez and Ghana's Samuel Taki. In the canoe sprint, which now I got to put this on my list to go back and watch because Marnie McBean was there. Also, uh, the U.S. won their first gold medal in canoe on the women's side. So that's nice. good on the sprint. Yeah. But uh, we'll start with men's kayak. Uh, the singles, gold went to Hungary's Shandor Totka. Silver went to Italy's Manfredi Ritza. And bronze went to Great Britain's Liam Heath. In the women's canoe singles, gold went to USA's Nevin Harrison. Again, first female from the U.S. to win a gold in canoe sprint. Silver went to Canada's Laurence Vincent Lapointe, and bronze went to Ukraine's Ludmila Luzon. In the women's kayak singles 500 meters, gold went to New Zealand's Lisa Carrington. Silver, which honestly, the, the again are doing really well. It feels like. Well, Lisa Carrington is now the winningest New Zealander in the canoe. Oh, good for her! Very nice. Silver went to Hungary's Tamara Schippes, and bronze went to Denmark's Emma Astrid Jorgensen. In the men's kayak double 1,000 meters, gold went to Australia, silver to Germany, and bronze to the Czech Republic. In track cycling, we had the women's Kieran finals. Gold went to Netherlands' Shane Braspenenic. Silver went to New Zealand's Elise Andrews. Bronze went to Canada's Lorian Genest. In the men's Omnium, which I... 
started to watch and these races were pretty long and they involve points and they're all kind of complicated. That is one to go back and watch when I have time. Uh, gold went to Great Britain's Matthew Walls. Silver went to New Zealand's Campbell Stewart. And bronze went to Italy's Ella Viviani. In diving, it was the women's 10-meter platform competition. You watched. I did not get a chance to watch this. So tell I me I did watch it. this. So this was really good competition. There was a couple of fun things. The Malaysian coaches, there was a Malaysian diver in the finals, which is unusual. They had tiger print shirts. Mm-hmm. And the Malaysian swimsuit had just a little bit of a tiger print trim. Oh, very nice. So it was very chic and kind of fun for Malaysia. Uh, but I did want to talk a little bit about the gold medalist from China, Kuang Hong Chang. She got two dives in that she scored a 10 on. Wow, perfect score. And that almost never happens in diving. Very, very rare, especially on 10 meter. But I'm more concerned about the fact that she's 14 years old. This is her first international competition. What? She would not have qualified to uh, to participate last year because you've got to be 14. So nobody's seen her, uh, which is problematic. And there's been a lot of discussion in the news with the gymnasts and with the skateboarders and with some of the very, very young girls, mm-hmm. especially, participating and saying, well, if they're good enough, they should be allowed to compete. And I say, well, what have they been through to be good enough at 14? What have they had to suffer and sacrifice to be good enough to win an Olympic gold medal at 14? Okay. I would interject that in China, they've sacrificed everything. They get right from family. You know, they, they that basically they give up their lives and all they do is diving. So, right. So these kids ways, are not being protected. Oh, right. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I think 14 is a ridiculously young age for these divers to be allowed to compete internationally. I would agree. I don't, I think it puts a lot of pressure on a lot of people to do more things at a younger age and try to be something at a young age. Or if, if you don't, you're nothing, which is not true. And putting a lot of pressure on, especially in America, because everything is self-funded, putting a lot of pressure on parents to join travel leagues or take their kid all over the country or all over the world to do sport. And part of it is, okay, that exposure is good for the kid because they get exposed to different cultures and they can learn new things. And sometimes I think when we talked to Josh Levin, he said like his family's built vacations around his, some of his international competitions, which makes sense. It's hard because I get the whole uh, kids got a lot of time to devote to a sport. They get good really quickly. Let's bring them up there so we have the best in the world competing together. It's also weird when you change the rules of eligibility for Tokyo 2020. This was diving and gymnastics, particularly, where they have age requirements and they decided that the age requirement would be valid for 2021. So that meant if you didn't qualify, if you were too young in 2020, but old enough in 2021, you still could compete in these Olympics. And I think that made stuff a little bit unfair for a lot of people. You ended up with a 14-year-old girl that has never been in an international competition before winning an Olympic medal. 
And I wonder what kind of position that puts her in. Obviously, China is unique in how it runs its sports programs. Mm -hmm. So we do kind of have to put that to the side and say there are all kinds of problems in how China runs its sports programs. But I don't think having 12 and 13-year-old girls on the world stage in skateboarding is a good idea either. No, and we'll get to that. And I know we talked about it yesterday, but we'll probably talk about it again. You know, there are physical things that are happening. You know, we were, we've were we talked about Tara Lipinski who had to have hip surgery at like 25 because of jumping and doing the sports that she did before she had developed properly. And gymnasts who can't walk later. And these girls who are doing these things so young, too much too soon. Never mind the psychological pressure. Mm-hmm. So if you want to have the Youth Olympics, we're not fans because of that very reason, but we need to raise the ages and protect these kids. I have noticed that announcers on the feeds do mention if they win, won the Youth Olympic Games, because that's come up quite a bit lately. Where And I, I would assume that the IOC wants to tout the, oh, this Youth Olympic Games is a nice stepping stone to becoming an Olympian come participate. And it's a nice idea, but I just think it's a lot. Too much too soon. Have we learned nothing from the tennis players? Like Jennifer Capriati, who ended up you know, in prison because of burnout? We need to protect 14-year-old girls from the world stage. Be- beyond the fact that she was 14 and had two perfect dives, how was the rest of the competition? Up, again, up and down. There was some beautiful diving and there weren't any real disasters where people were scoring ones and twos, but some messy entries and some sloppy dives, but it's worth it to go back and watch. Okay. Rounding out the podium, silver went to Cheng Yuxi from China and bronze went to Australia's Melissa Wu. Which is a feel good story. So that's worth seeing. In football, women had the bronze medal match, and that was USA defeated Australia 4-2-3. And it was, the USA was leading for a while, and Australia kept chipping away at this lead. So they got a late goal to get within one point, but it was a little too little too late. And the USA does walk away with the medal. On For their scorers, it was Carly Lloyd and Megan Rapinoe each got two goals, and the team is very happy with the bronze because... Uh, there have been stories where they've said, yeah, we weren't playing well and we had to figure out how to get it together as a team. So it's nice that they figured that out and, and made a win happen and a medal happen. In golf, the women had the second round of individual stroke play. In handball, we had the men's semifinals. And this is a fascinating little quirk. Both semifinals had the same score. France defeated Egypt, Denmark defeated Spain, both 27 to 23. It's like there was a glitch in the matrix. (laughs) So Chris from Olympopod said you should tune in to the finals because it should be a really fun day. It's Denmark versus France. Denmark's been amazing. France just keeps producing and they're having a really great games, even though recent history has not been so kind to their team. The bronze medal match is going to be fun because Egypt is looking to make history with their first medal in handball. 
And they would also be the first non-European men's medal since 1988. And then if you'd like the Spanish team, tune in because uh, it looks like it's going to be the last game for many on their team. In the hockey, Matt, so angry about this. In hockey, men's bronze medal, India defeated Germany 5-4, which fantastic. First hockey medal for India since 1980. Really? Yes. This is a big deal. It's a huge deal, and it was a very young team. I didn't realize 10 out of the 16 players on the team were in their first Olympics. So oh, this is exciting for Paris it, then. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's going to be good. But So I had it on, and I had on a couple of different things, but I, I'd pop on the sound on the hockey game every once in a while, and it's getting close to the end, and so I'm paying more attention to it and, and watching. And and they're up five four, but you know anything can happen. If you've still got like seven minutes on the clock, and I'm watching and watching, five minutes to go, NBC started embargoing it because all of a sudden it went. I can't remember if the screen was coverage will return soon or coverage has concluded, and I couldn't believe it. And it just it didn't come back. And I went to my television and looked through the menu, and sure enough, I believe it, can't quote me because I can't remember anything at this point. The game was going to be shown on television a little later in the overnight coverage, like on one of the, the cable channels. This has happened to me so many times where I'm watching an event and all of a sudden in the middle of it, it gets embargoed and cut off. And I, I'm sorry, I, I'm not going to go back. And, and I get that probably they're making more money on the commercials in on the television coverage. Or they're, well, the Simone Biles thing, Sydney McLaughlin's race, other races they are holding for primetime coverage the next day, which it just seems so archaic at this point. And pulling something because there's going to be an audience for it in the US and we're going to show it on cable and probably make a little bit more money off of the advertisements. Although with so many advertisements on the feed, I, I'd love to know how much they're making off of these. But the problem, NBC, is that I'm not going to go and watch this whole match again just to get to the final five minutes. I will find out the score, and then I'll wait for the feed to come back, and I'll watch it then, which I watched it this morning. People who are watching the feed want to see it then. The mm -hmm. people who are going to watch it on TV are going to watch it on TV. It's two separate audiences. And treat it that way. It's it's really... the the. <sighs> The coverage has been kind of the way NBC has handled their coverage. Is just, it's it's really old fashioned. It's like you've still got people maybe up at the top who are from the Bud Greenspan era and have this way of this is how we cover the Olympics. And now you have this streaming world that they don't understand how to deal with. And don't so, insult Bud Green, Greenspan that way. I think he would have moved with the times. Well, no, I well, I wouldn't be surprised if he did move with the times. But I, the problem is, I think the other people wouldn't have moved. They aren't moving with the times. Right. And they're just stuck in the past. And, you know, you had your formula and it's easy to go, oh, we have our formula. This is how our formula works. And it's been golden for us all the time. But now you have a different way of doing things. You know what I would love? And I know we're doing this in the middle of the hockey recap. I would love if in the feed they would put 
30 seconds or 20 seconds, whatever commercial length you're going to put in a feed, it would be a Mike Tirico update here and there. And just say, hey, this is what, ha you know, this is a score of the handball game that just happened. You might want to go over to that part of the feed. You know what else made me mad in the feed? Hmm. I would go to the feed website and I would get spoiled. Oh. Like if, even if I was just an hour behind, mm -hmm. they would have the results. And I'm like, I'm coming to the feed because I want to watch it. You're spoiling me for the feed. Never mind that the television coverage is going to be in 12 hours. So they're not even thinking this through. Right. Because they want the headline for what happened. And because you have to get first with the headlines. And that's what, and, and I get what they do. But you know what they should have? They should have two separate websites. They should have here is our whatever we're doing TV coverage wise, maybe. And then have you want the OBS stream? Go to this platform. We're having all of these events, full events, full replays. Go to that platform and you won't find out anything because it's really hard not to get spoiled if you don't want to be spoiled or you just go, whatever, by the end of this race or by the, by the end of the competition, I won't have remembered who won anyway. But what was so upsetting to me was, you know, at seven in the morning, I'm watching something that started at five, say, and then I'm going to watch something that started at six. When I go back to the homepage to switch screens, they're spoiling something that literally just finished. Oh, and I'm thinking, this is your site for the feed. If I'm coming here, I obviously want to see it quickly. Why are you putting headlines on the feed page? I wish they wouldn't do that either. Yeah, because they take and they also take a valuable real estate for the screen. It makes the viewing screen much smaller. And when I'm trying to watch something and take notes for us or I'm trying to watch two things at once, it's really hard. It just feels like NBC has no overall mission for its viewing. It's like, we're just going to throw this all out there and hope people find what they want. And nobody is finding anything. No. And you know why I'm not finding stuff? Because it's called field hockey. It's hockey. Taught ourselves the, if we taught ourselves the Olympic way, go with it. It's not track and field. It's athletics. And, you know, while we're on that one, New York Times, it's not synchronized swimming anymore. It's artistic swimming. Anyway, okay, let's get off our soapboxes. Uh, for the other... <laughs> Speaking of hockey. Right. The gold medal match, I kind of want to go back and watch this because this looks like this was a one to see. So Belgium defeated Australia. The score was tied 1-1 at the end of regulation and went to a shootout. Belgium got the shootout three to two. Wow. I love and hate when games like this end in a shootout. I do too. You kind of wish just play to the death, but that might actually literally be the death in Tokyo. <laughs> and I don't want anybody to die because of the heat. Once again, podium, gold, Belgium, silver, Australia, and bronze to India. Good tournament. You know, I, I know we haven't talked about it a whole lot, but that sounds like it was a great tournament on the men's side. Moving on to karate, new sport for Tokyo, only going to be in Tokyo, gonna, it seems like. So we had the women's kata and men's kumite, 67 kilos, and women's kumite, 55 kilos. Did you see any of this? Not yet. That was on today's schedule for me. Okay. Okay. I saw a, a couple of people do kata, and it, I think you might like this. Book Club Claire liked it a lot. She was very surprised. Uh, 
I mean, because it's similar to figure skating. You have a routine that you have to do. And this is, uh, katas are set patterns in, that are the building blocks of karate. And they are called, they're forms, basically. And you have to perform the form. There's like a list of 300 of them or so. And I believe the competition works where the competitors choose three different forms and perform them. And they have to make them as perfect as possible. So there's a lot of, this is why you didn't start off the day with, hi-ya! Hi-ya! That was so, a leader. There's a little bit of that going on too. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. I think you're going to like this. But it was really interesting to watch. And I, I dipped into a couple of people. I, I saw, um, the we'll do the podium. Gold went to Spain's uh, Sandra Sanchez Jaime, who is like one of the top people in the world. And she's, I believe I saw her. She's amazing. Silver went to Japan's uh, Shimizu Kyo. And bronzes went to Hong Kong's Mushing Grace Lau and uh, Italy's Viviana Botaro. So that is one to go back and watch today. On the men's kumite, I saw a little bit of this too. So I want to watch more with announcers on so that I understand it a little bit better. I know Tom Scott told, told, told us how it worked, but it's interesting to try to figure out where they kick and where they punch and and that kind of thing and how they score points. So in the men's 67 kilos, gold went to France's Steven DaCosta. Silver went to Turkey's Ire Samdan. Bronze went to Kazakhstan's Darkum Asadilov. In the women's 55 kilo kumite, gold went to Bulgaria's Yvette Goranova. Silver went to Ukraine's Angelika Teraliuga. Bronzes went to Austria's Bettina Plank and Chinese Taipei's Wen Tzu Yun. Marathon swimming on the men's 10 kilometer race. I did watch some of this through a feed. I mean, and by I watched the feed through watching a feed of the athletes because <laughs> it almost sounded like the female commentator was very excited about the feeding portion. <laughs> Maybe she was hungry. <laughs> But she did, they they did stress, they, I wonder if they got a lot of comments about this, because they did stress that the bottles would get picked up after being tossed in the well, ocean. Well, you were troubled by it. I'm sure you weren't the only one. Very troubled by that. Did you watch any of this? I did. Okay. What did you think? It looked exhausting. It, it did look exhausting. The New York Times talked with some of the competitors, and I guess the water got warmer and warmer when they got faster and faster. but. The air temperature was about 81 degrees Fahrenheit. The water temperature was about 84, and that wasn't far from the cutoff of 88 degrees. That's the upper limit set by the by FINA, the governing body. But what was great about that was that the silver medalist, Christoph Rozovsky from Hungary, said, yeah, I train in a lake where the temperature's over 90 degrees. So this was cool. <laughs> It just made me think of a New England clam bake <laughs> that they were just throwing all these swimmers in the pot. Like you, you put the lobsters in and the clams and some seaweed and some corn and potatoes and it's delicious when it comes out. But I don't think these kids were too happy when they came out of the water. Mm, mm. Gold went to Germany's Florian Velbrock. 
Silver went, as we said, went to Hungary's Christoph Rozovsky, and bronze went to Italy's Gregorio Polcineri. Modern pentathlon competition started. Very excited for Samantha Schultz, our Shuk Flastani, although not with day one, because they they do a, a round of they they do a round of fencing to rank everybody. And fencing is not Samantha's strong suit. So it's really tough. Fencing, the fencing component of modern pentathlon is you fence against everybody in the competition, but you only fence one point. So whoever wins that point gets uh, a victory, and then you're ranked on your numbers of victories and defeats. So Samantha had a record of nine victories and 26 defeats. Tough. She's in 35th place right now, which is second to last. But her she's really, really strong in the laser run. So hope and she's a strong swimmer. So hopefully she'll be working her way back up in the final competition. The leaders on the women's side are Germany's Annika Schloy, Korea's Kim Sihee, and uh, Ireland's Natalia Coyle. This is like the worst kind of speed dating. Oh, it is. It you is poke at each other and then you swap places. <laughs> So uh, we did watch this. Ben was very excited to stay up and watch Samantha. This was, it, we're in the, the stage where a lot of what I want to watch that's on my list is between like or the one in the morning and 10 in the morning. And I just can't have never gotten my schedule to align with that very well. Cause it would basically mean that I wouldn't see Ben for two weeks. So we stayed up way past our bedtime and, it's, it did not work out for us. So, and it was really hard to watch. I feel bad because I don't think that anybody knows the best way to show this on television. It's really difficult because they have like 10 fencing pistols going and there's, it's really hard to understand what's actually happening besides the few that you can focus on. The other segments of pentathlon are much easier to follow. Yes. So tune in for that. And uh, we'll see what happens. On the men's side, Great Britain's Josephie Chun is in first. ROC's Alexander Livanov is, is ranked second. And Belarus's Ilya Polozkov is ranked third. Skateboarding. I watched some of this. I watched some of this as well. The men were better than the women. Yes, they were. And I wondered if the women, just because they've been doing it for longer, I, I'm guessing... I'm guessing that men's skateboarding developed first. Tony Hawk. Because we Tony Hawk is the name in skateboarding. I don't know any female skateboarder names, but there could be a whole range of reasons why we don't know that. But the men skewed older and they also could do bigger tricks. So I, I don't know about you. I caught some of the prelims and then I caught a little bit of the final. And you know, I feel like in a way, I feel like I'm doing my own NBC primetime coverage because I'm dipping into different sports here and there. And I just don't get my Tariq going. I, this is not working for me. I need You a, need Mike, yeah. I need my mic. I mean, let's not forget that skateboarding also has a sexism problem. That there's a reason why the female skateboarders skew so young because women in an older age bracket were kept from parks. Mm. They were kind of bullied out of the skate parks. What I saw in the prelims, there was a lot of falling again. A lot of, I think it was taking risks and not getting 
and just missing out. And runs would end very quickly because of this. And I wonder if that's typical for a skateboarding competition or if it should have been like weightlifting, just get a run that gets me on the board. And, but I, I don't think they really get punished as much because in weightlifting, it's a no lift and you are, you could be out of the competition if you don't succeed, but you just get lower point values. I don't know. Did they do any better about telling you how points were scored? No. Oh, great. The Facebook group is talking a lot about this competition. And one of the things they mentioned was you couldn't really see how deep the bowls were. And that's where the impressive aspect is. And I would, I bet that's very true because the park that they're skating through is, is pretty complex. It looks like, and the cool thing, I, I think they built it. It looks like it allows for a lot of creativity in your run because there's a lot of different elements to go off of. And that to me, it was more interesting than street for some reason, because it was just like, Oh, there's a stair rail. Oh, there's another like railly thing and maybe a ramp. And maybe it's because maybe it's because the streets, you know, you think stair rails, I think like open public space. And then I think of the sign posted that says no skateboarding. So maybe I'm just predisposed to not liking it. Right. And this also had, you could skate over the sushi rolls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One section of the park was called the sushi rolls. And if the announcer said, oh, over the sushi rolls one more time, (laughs) it's going to send him to the corner with Mike and Maya. (laughs) So what is up with uh, Kieran Woolley? So poor Kieran, as he was coming at the end of his run, he did something on the rail and smashed right into the cameraman who was trying to get the close-up shot. Oh, Thankfully, the cameraman did not hit his head. Okay, good. Which was relieved. But to me, the cutest point was after he smacked into this guy, he suddenly became a little kid. He's only 17. Oh. He was horrified. So upset. And he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And they fist bumped and the cameraman was okay. But all I kept thinking was, Kieran Woolley's mom must be so proud of him that he's in the Olympics, he's competing. He hit somebody and he was very worried about hurting this other person. Very nice. But the good news is nobody was actually hurt. It was scary though for a few seconds. So it turned out that the the competition ended with Australia's Keegan Palmer winning gold. Uh, Pedro Barros from Brazil winning silver and the U.S.'s Corey Juno winning bronze. It was interesting. I I saw that, you know, skateboarding developed in the U.S., but we did not do well in this competition comparatively. We did win a couple of medals, but the Brazilians who where skateboarding is also quite popular, really did well. And and Australia has done well. So we wanted to... (laughs) In our ongoing concern over the difference in ages between the men and the women, because the men did skew older. I think the youngest person in this was 17. Yeah, that was Kieran Willie. And went up to 46. And when I think about uh, competitors kind of together, if they have men's and women's competing in the same time, I don't know what the that culture is like. But I think about like 20 and 30 and 40 year olds hanging out in the same place with a 12 and 13 and 15 year old. That gives me a lot of red flags go off. Yes. Most of the men's finalists were in their twenties. And I think almost all of the girl finalists, and I say girls very purposefully 
were in their teens at best. Mm-hmm. And the Kyoto News had a story about uh, Japan's Sakura Yozozumi, who won the gold medal in the women's park skate boarding. And she said that she treats the sport like it is, quote, her boyfriend to whom she is committed 24 hours a day. And that made me kind of sad because that was another cultural kind of expectation, it felt like. And I don't mind that she's committed to her sport and wants to do her sport 24 hours a day. I do mind that the expectation of women was that they have to commit to their man. Girl, we got to have a talk about what kind of boyfriend you're having that he expects you to be committed to him 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Moving on to sport climbing, where we got our first medals. This was the men's combined. Uh, Gold went to Spain's... Did you watch any... Well, did you watch any of this? Okay, I did watch it. I didn't get to see a whole lot of it. I saw the tail end of the lead competition they had 80 percent humidity there so already when you think about that and trying to hang on to these uh, grip these boulders that's pretty incredible they did use lots of chalk i will say that but uh, gold went to spain's alberto Hines lopez silver went to the u.s's nathaniel coleman and bronze went to austria's jakob schubert and the lead competition was really cool because one of the things they did nicely on the feed was show you how high up some of the other the other leaders had gone and basically jakob was the last competitor to go if he got so far up the uh favor one of the leading climbers in the world adam andra would have won a medal or won the gold but he got a little further which made alberto Hines lopez win and it was just kind of interesting to see how somebody else's competition affected the the whole ranking going down it i think it was cool i i'm looking forward to tuning into the women and seeing how they do and i hopefully can watch more of the competition it's kind of a long event but it looks like a lot of fun to me In table tennis, we had the women's team event. You watched? I watched the gold medal round. Okay, and how was that? China blew Japan away. Wow. Just, it was so decisive and clear that China was just superior to them. The only thing that bothered me was China does a lot of yelling. Oh, yeah. I heard about It's like Monica Seles in tennis, though I just dated myself. When don't we date ourselves? Come on. (laughs) Somebody on on uh, uh, Twitter, the person who runs Games and Rings blog, brought up the triple cast, the Olympic triple cast. And granted, she was very young when the triple cast came out, but it was back in '88, I think. You could NBC was selling this package where you could get three channels of Olympic coverage, and it just sounded fantastic. But to a little girl, it was way beyond her financial reach. Anyway, back to back to modern times. Back to modern times, the Chinese were just yelling all the time. And the most fascinating thing was I never watched the serve so closely. Some of them stare at the ball like they're manifesting it. Like Hmm. they stare into the eyes of the ball. You will cause an ace. And it usually did, apparently. It did. And they did talk pimples like we talked with Millie Tapper. Interesting. So... Uh, in that competition, Bronson went to Hong Kong, who defeated Germany 3-1. to one. In volleyball, we had the men's semifinals. ROC defeated Brazil 3-1, to one, and France defeated Argentina 3-0. So it'll be ROC and France for the gold, and Brazil versus Argentina for the bronze. In water polo, 
we had the women's classification matches for fifth through eighth places and uh, the women's semifinal. So Netherlands defeated China 13 to 6 and Australia defeated Canada 14-12. Those were the fifth through eighth places. And the semifinal was USA defeated ROC 15 to 11 and Spain defeated Hungary 8 to 6. So US and Spain will go for the gold and ROC will and Hungary will go for bronze. Wrestling, which I did tune into again. We had men's freestyle 57 kilos. Gold went to ROC's Zavar Yugev. Silver went to India's uh, Kumar Ravi, which was a big deal. And I saw this match and it would have been like one of their first gold medal. Again, with India with the gold medal, we know from reading Abhinav Bindra's book how, I want to say crazy or just how intense that time was because Abhinav Bindra won Italy, uh, India's first individual gold medal of their Olympic history. And they keep hoping for the next one. And bronzes went to Nurislam Saniyev from Kazakhstan and Thomas Patrick Gilman from the U.S. In the women's freestyle 57 kilograms, Japan's uh, Kawai Risako won gold, which would make you happy because this is the, the division where the sister moved up a division so that her other sister could compete as well. And now they both have won gold medals, which was, I will take that even though she did take out or Helen Marulis. But silver went to uh, Belarus's Irina Kurchitkina. Bronzes went to Helen Marulis. A fantastic bout on technical superiority. It was, and, and that means basically she won 10 to nothing or 11 to nothing. It was a very, very good bout. And bronzes uh, also went to Evelina uh, Nikolova from Bulgaria. And in the men's freestyle, 86 kilos. USA's David Taylor got the gold. Oh, this was a good match. He beat um, Iran's Hassan Yazdani Charati, and he got it, he was losing by one point, and with about ten seconds left, he got a takedown, and that propped him over, and he won the gold on that. And then he got up and he had this giant hole in the back of his thing, like the the seam had ripped apart from the rest of it, so it was just like this gaping hole in his back. But he was so thrilled. Walked uh, away. He's like. You know, I, I won the gold medal. They can never take that away from me. Just the, the realization of what it means to be an Olympic champion was really interesting to watch. He didn't have a wardrobe malfunction, though, with the tear. No, I don't oh, think so. I good. think it was just part of the, the action that, that not surprised that happens. No, but nothing untoward oh, no, was no, exposed. No, 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 no. Oh, no. good. Um, but that's definitely a match worth going back and watching. That's for sure. And bronzes in that division went to ROC's Artur Nayavev and, uh, oh, San Marino's Miles Nazim Amini. So San Marino walking away for with three medals so far. I don't know where they still could be. <laughs> what is going on, San Marino? No, it's fantastic. And now they both have men's and women's medals. Right. It's intense. And the dulcet tones of Jason Bryant have a San Marino t-shirt now, a wrestling t-shirt. Feel good story of the game, San Marino. We'd like to take a second to thank our Patreon patrons whose ongoing donations help keep our flame alive. And those continue to propel our budget. And the more patrons we have, the more things we can do with the podcast. If you'd like to make an ongoing contribution, please check out patreon.com slash flamealivepod. All right, Shukvastan, watch. What is on tap for day 15? 
Jacqueline Simino and Team Canada begin the team artistic swimming competition with the technical routine. Evan Dunphy is up in Sapporo for the 50-kilometer race walk. Tom Scott competes in the 75-kilogram division of karate's kumite. And Samantha Schultz competes in modern pentathlon. Wow. So even though, though the games are winding down, Shukvastan is still heating up. All right. That means it's time to say sayonara. As always, you can email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com or text or voicemail us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAMEIT. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at flamealivepod. And also we have the Keep the Flame Alive podcast group on Facebook, which has been so much fun to hang out with during the games. Please do not forget our Kickstarter and help us reach our goal of bringing you on the ground coverage at Beijing. That's kickstarter.com slash profile slash flame alive pod. As we go out to music by Mercury Sunset, thank you so much for listening. And until tomorrow, keep the flame alive. Keep the flame alive.